The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, Stunt Brainiacs. It's a very busy Monday. It's a crazy Monday. And uh, here in the Northeast, it's it's a swampy Monday. Not the way Donald Trump would have you believe. It's a swampy weather Monday. We are dealing with heat and humidity and approaching violent thunderstorms. All kinds of fun stuff happening today. But it's also, uh, it's also a day filled with news that we will get to. And I have questions. I have what I believe might be answers. And I would love to hear from you guys. Some interesting things going on in the world today. And if you want to join the conversation as so many of you did on the weekend, Saturday. Wow, what a busy telephone day we had. We discussed um, the, the proposal by Hawaii and certain parts of California, and I think Oregon's looking into this, as well as maybe Vermont. The idea of governments providing a universal basic income, a guaranteed basic income for every person. And man, oh man, Ashevitz, did you guys uh, join in on that discussion? And it, we'll still continue it because the poll is still up on theblaze.com. I'll tweet out a link to it again. Uh, overwhelmingly, this audience does not support universal basic income. So if you want to talk about it, you're welcome to. But I, I get it. You guys are free market freedom people. Good for us. Good for you. That's a good sign for the future. Uh, but uh, 888-900-3393, 888 that's the number. At StuntBrain is the Twitter handle. On the schedule today, a vital question. We'll try and see if the president's going to speak today. He's currently meeting with the president of Panama, President Varela. And there's an anticipated press opportunity after that meeting. And maybe we'll hear a question or two from the media, probably about uh, special counsel Mueller and what the president tweeted about being under investigation and his attorney, Jay Sekulow, saying he's not under investigation. It's all very confusing. We have news out of both London and France in terms of possible terror situations. You know, overnight there was a, a van that hit a bunch of people coming out of a mosque in London, one dead, eight injured. 
and the attacker was not known to security services, uh, according to the Brits, the attacker in London. And there's some people that say it, it may have been a revenge. We don't know yet. Too early to tell. But uh, curious that it was a van again. And in Paris, about two hours before this program kicked off, a car rammed into a mobile police truck in in Paris along the Champs-Élysées. And uh, the, the driver of that car is now dead. And in the car, the Paris authorities are saying they found weapons and explosives. So let's all understand that's a terror situation. That's obviously a terror situation. London, we don't know. And we'll have to wait and see. And CNN, your early reporting, I hope they've corrected this, but early this morning, CNN was talking about the London uh, situation and saying this was the, the last night of Ramadan. People were coming out of a mosque. No, it, it's not. The last night of Ramadan is the 24th. This was the end of a, a holy day, but not the end of Ramadan. So get it right, CNN. Come on. Would you? Uh, coming up on the show also today, we will talk to our friend, Dr. Wendy Patrick. There are a couple of legal issues we want to discuss, not least of which is, is Saturday morning's um, announcement that the Cosby, the Cosby trial was officially declared a mistrial. As we were wrapping up the early edition of Pure Opelka, there was a report that the jury had gathered to try and once again deliberate what was going on. And they uh, told the judge around about 10 o'clock they, they were hopelessly deadlocked. There were reportedly 10 voting to convict Bill Cosby and two holdouts. And as Bill Cosby has famously said in the past, I only need one. I just need one person to be sympathetic. Just one person to be on my side and then I'm going to go free. And I think the judge in the Cosby case made a horrible mistake. I mean, not the judge, the prosecutor in the, in the Cosby case made a horrible mistake. The prosecutor, once it was declared a mistrial, had 120 days until he needed to decide whether or not he was going to retry the case. He announced almost immediately on Saturday that he was going to do it. And uh, the issue there, the issue there is that he's now tipped his hand and now the Cosby crew the legal team has all this time to work on it they could have made him sweat he could have had that that legal team sweating it out whether or not he was going to actually pursue a retrial but no he chose to go and make the announcement and obviously um obviously not a guy you want to or at least he shouldn't be playing poker that's the kind of guy you want to play poker against he's tipping Tipping his cards your way so you can look at him. The other thing that came out of this on Saturday was the Cosby spokesperson who came out after the mistrial was announced. And um, I, I thought it was a little too much dancing in the aisles. I thought this was just a little bit over the top. Mr. Cosby power is back. It's back. It's been restored. The jurors, they use their power to speak. And Mrs. Cosby power is back. So the legacy didn't go anywhere. It has been restored. And for all those attorneys 
who conspired like Gloria Allred, tell them to go back to law school and take another class. That all that was missing from that was some uh, insults to your mother. That was like street response. Come on, Cosby. Your legal team out there saying, and all those attorneys that conspired against us, you better go back to law school and take a class. Just a little much, if you ask me. I, I thought it was silly. I want to get into the Alex Jones situation as well. And, um, and by the way, when we left last week, we were talking about London and the fire in London. Now we have um, more numbers showing that I believe it's almost 80 people were killed in the Grenfell Towers fire. Well, the leader of the Labor Party, Mr. Corbyn, is is doubling down on his push to seize the homes of the wealthy that sit empty. If you if you own a home in London and it happens to sit wealthy, like or sit empty, maybe maybe you work six months of the year somewhere. Well, the the leader of the Labor Party's got forty percent of Parliament right now. He's he's really pushing for the government to step in. And I was I was really shocked. This was this was Jeremy Corbyn this morning on one of the British talk shows. Uh, there are a large number of um, deliberately kept vacant flats and properties all over London. It's called land banking. People with a lot of money buy a house, buy a flat, keep it empty. But you would seize it forever or just just take well, it for as long as they're needed? I'm just looking at the mechanism. Occupy it, compulsory purchase it, requisition it. There's a lot of things you can do. But There's a lot of things you can do. Occupy it, purchase it, compulsory. Seriously. What, London, where the hell are you? And where do they draw the line? What, what determines if someone's wealthy? Does anyone think about that? What if you're just comfortable and you have an empty flat, as they say? Does that mean London's going to come in? Corbyn continues. We as a society just think, all of us, it's all very well putting our arms around people during the crisis, but there is, homelessness is rising, the housing crisis is getting worse. And my point was quite a simple one. In an emergency, you have to bring all assets to the table in order to deal with that crisis, and that is what I think we should be doing in this but, case. Absolutely. <laughs> In an emergency, we have to bring all assets to the table in a crisis. Do you see what he's doing? This is pure Saul Alinsky. This is never let a crisis go to waste. This is a communist, a socialist, calling for the confiscation of property of those they think are making more than the average person, and it's not fair. So they have, they have called for the confiscation of that property just because they deem it to be, uh, well, at some point, if I can quote a great communist, at some point you've made enough money. Isn't that what this reminds you of? Certainly reminds me of that. At some point you've made enough money. We are continuing to watch this story because I really think this is, this is pushing, uh, this is pushing into America. And it's picking up momentum, and we all need to be really worried about it. And speaking of worried about it, 
Let me give you my vital question of the day, and then we'll come back and deal with the Alex Jones thing. My vital question of the day, and it uh, was inspired by the weather here today in the Northeast. This is on Twitter, so I expect you to go to Twitter and vote as soon as possible. At StuntBrain on Twitter. At StuntBrain, S-T-U-N-T-B-R-A-I-N. If you had to choose, if you absolutely had to choose between the internet and air conditioning, which would it be? If you had to choose between the internet and air conditioning, which would it be? You want to know what the stats are right now? Currently, currently a majority of you are favoring air conditioning. 70% say air conditioning. 26% say internet. 4% say they can't decide. I know it's very early in the voting. It could move move either way. But that's, that's currently the situation. Go there, vote, and then come back. Or if you want to weigh in on the phone, 888-933-93-888-900-3393. This is Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka here, you there. I'm very appreciative of you guys. Great support over the weekend for the the downloads, the podcasts, etc. So remember, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, all the usual suspects after the show. Go and and find it. We, We need to keep the pressure on. Keep growing this show, and you've done a terrific job so far. Uh, a bunch of different stories to get to. And, yeah, they're in a lot of different directions today, so I have to be mindful of not going too ADD on this program with all these different topics bubbling. Uh, it, it bothers me what the, what the Democrats are getting ready to do, and uh, I, don't, I don't agree with what they're about to do, and yet... There's not much I can do about the Democrats wanting to slow down the Senate. Democrats are getting ready to put the Senate on on pause today, or at least to to get the Republican agenda put on pause. What are they doing? They are threatening to kind of hijack the Senate floor and have a bunch of people speechifying all night long which this is their effort to prevent Republicans from moving ahead with an Obamacare replacement. And I understand. I understand how the Democrats feel. 
there's a bill being written that they haven't seen. There's a bill being written that they don't feel like they've had any input on it. Gee, when did I hear something like this in the past? Oh, I know. It was Obamacare. That's exactly right. That's exactly what happened. And remember when, when, uh, when Obamacare was, was being written and the law was being discussed, remember what House Speaker Nancy Pelosi told the press in March of 2010. Just seven short years ago, Nancy Pelosi told us this. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it away from the fog of the controversy. Yeah, you have to pass the bill so we can find out what's in it away from the fog of the controversy. It doesn't taste so nice, does it, Nancy, to being spoon fed the same thing? You know, I, I would like the Democrats to feel what Republicans felt, but I'd also like Republicans to find a way to claim there's some bipartisan work being done on this. And I have a thought. Here's how you could do it, Democrats. You invite Senator Joe Manchin to be in your work group. See, Senator Joe Manchin has to run for re-election in 2018. He's one of the 24 senators on the Democratic side that will be up for re-election. There are something like six or eight Republicans and 24 Democrats. So the Democrats in, in the Senate have a greater statistical risk than the Republicans. And Manchin, being in a state that was won by Donald Trump, very well too, by the way, in a state that was won handily by Donald Trump, West Virginia, Joe Manchin has a problem. And he has a problem because he wants to say he's a Democrat, but he's in a state that's uh, pretty Republican right now. And, oh yeah, coal mining. So uh, we shall see what we shall see. But I would invite Joe Manchin to be on that, on that uh, working group so that you can just point and say, well, at least we got Joe Manchin. What did you guys have? So we'll see. But the Senate tonight threatening to be put on hold by the Democrats, who are now officially the party of the obstructionist. They are the ones who are stopping everything. And this was their mantra. This was what they called the GOP back in the day when they had control. You guys are stopping everything. You guys are preventing us from doing anything. You are the obstructionists. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it rather uh, Orwellian how all this just turns around the the party names have just changed. It's right there. I'm just waiting for a Republican to step up and say, we're going to have to pass the bill so the Democrats can find out what's in it. That would make the circle complete. And while it feels good, I don't know if I agree with it. 100%. Not at all. So just, just be ready for that blowback. All right, we're... we're um, off track already. Again, vital question of the day. Would you rather have the internet or air conditioning? It would be tough for me. It'd be very tough for me to make that choice because I admit freely that I am addicted to the internet. Absolutely addicted. 
All right, where do we go? Do we go to Alex Jones and Megyn Kelly? I'm going to need too much time for that. Uh, we already dealt with um, Jeremy Corbyn out of London. There's a story that I'm, I'm going to have to get. After the break, we'll do Alex Jones and Megyn Kelly and see where, where you stand on that discussion. Because I watched the whole thing. I also tried to sit through Megyn Kelly's entire show. NBC is absolutely going after a 60 Minutes feel now, aren't they? Trying to completely parody or not parody. Well, in a way, maybe that's a Freudian slip uh, to to copy NBC's success. CBS success was 60 Minutes. Uh, the only thing missing are a couple different anchors at the beginning. The story on New Zealand was fascinating. Almost enough to make me want to endure 18 hours in the air to get to New Zealand. Not quite yet. So when we come back, we'll, we'll go through the Alex Jones interview. Listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Michael Pelka with you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, phone lines are open 888 933 Did you watch the Alex Jones Megyn Kelly interview last night? Did you watch Megyn Kelly attempting, I thought, to point out the stupidity of Alex Jones, the craziness of Alex Jones? And a lot of his followers have found me because I've made some statements about this in different places, and they've decided to call me some names, which is fine. But uh, I'm sorry, you people. This guy's a jack wagon, maybe king of the jack wagons. He may be the jackiest of the jack wagons. And the fact that you are following him blindly is really sad, pathetic, and downright, you know, you, you all need a hug and a little bit of reality. And don't just take it on my theory that, that there was an actual massacre at Sandy Hook at, at Newtown, Pennsylvania, at the Sandy Hook School, and the parents actually mourned the deaths of their children. Don't just take that from me. Uh, take it based on the fact that your guy sells you diet supplements and he's still a tub. It's, it's kind of sick. I, I worried about him yesterday. Here it is Father's Day. God only knows what's going on in that household on Father's Day. And uh, his kids might have to tune in and watch Megyn Kelly grilling him like a cheese sandwich. Let's take a listen to some of it. You said the whole thing is a giant hoax. 
How do you deal with a total hoax? It took me about a year with Sandy Hook to come to grips with the fact that the whole thing was fake. I did deep research, and my gosh, it just pretty much didn't happen. So Megyn Kelly sets it up using his words. Those are his actual words that he used on the air. And he sits, and, and this is the interesting part. Watch the, the time taken by Alex Jones to answer questions because he's really trying to figure out how to dig himself out of a hole or how to avoid stepping into a trap all at the same time. And if you, if you uh, recorded it and you watch this section again, watch how his facial color changes over the course of the interview. It looks like he's really about to boil over. At, at that point, and I do think there's some cover-up and some manipulation, that is pretty much what I believe. But then I... At that point, there is uh, pretty much some cover-up and some manipulation, which is what I believe. But uh, he's, he's really trying to get all around this thing. Also, going into devil's advocate, but then we know there's mass shootings and these things happen. So, again... Well, you're trying to have it always, right? No, I'm not. If you wrongly went out there and said it was a hoax, that's wrong. But what I already answered... What Megan missed there is that's wrong and you should apologize for it. Have you ever apologized for it? That's what I would have liked to have seen, not just mom wagging her finger at the bad fat kid saying that's wrong. That should include you should apologize. It continues. The question was listeners and, and other people are covering this. I didn't create that story. But Alex, the parents, one after the other, devastated the de again she missed an opportunity let's go back and listen to this because instead of saying yeah you're right i shouldn't have done that i apologize he blames his listeners seriously your question was listeners and and other people are covering this i didn't create that story yes you did you created the life that you breathed into it. And you said you investigated it from all angles. And, uh, and it's obvious, obvious that, that this was a cover-up. Megyn Kelly had the chance to say, stop blaming your listeners for what you said. The parents, one after the other, devastated. The dead bodies that the coroner autopsy and they blocked all that and they won't release any of it that's that's unprecedented all even, of the parents the decided reports. to come out and and lie about their dead children i didn't say what, that. Ha what happened to the children i will sit there on the air and look at every position and play devil's advocate was that devil's advocate it long pause here thing is a giant hoax the whole thing was fake yes because i remember in even that day, it'll go back from memory, then saying, but then some of it looks like it's real, but then what do you do when they've got the kids going in circles in and out of the building with their hands up? I've watched the footage, and it looks like a drill. When There's no way. There's no way in hell any of that could look like a drill. There's no way. And at some point, as an interviewer, Megan, I, I wish you would have said, you just got to stop digging the hole. You're only getting yourself in deeper and deeper. And while I realize your buoyancy is probably greater than mine, you're not going to be able to stay afloat on this very much longer. You say parents faked their children's death. 
people get very angry. Yeah, well, let's, oh, I know, but they don't get angry about the half million dead Iraqis from the sanctions, or they don't get angry about all the That's illegals pouring in. No, no, it's not a dodge. The media never covers all the evil wars it's promoted, all the that big things. That doesn't excuse what you did and uh, said about Newtown. Uh, uh, you uh, know but it. I, here, here's the difference. Here's the difference. I looked at all the angles of Newtown, and I made my statements long before the media even picked up on it. So here's the interesting thing. He said, I looked at all the angles and made my statements on it before the media picked up on it. So that means, despite the fact that there were dead children who were killed by a very sick man, that you still believe it to be a conspiracy. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And you're only, the only thing you admit to is, I, uh, I picked up on it before the rest of the media. He never denies. He never denies. He never apologizes. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm someone who's glad NBC ran this. I would love to see all the tapes uncut. I'll bet you if NBC was smart enough to do it and put all of the uncut Megyn Kelly interview with Alec Jones on different days, just put a different reel of it up on your, on your NBC.com page, you would have huge traffic. Jones tried to get this stopped. Several different groups of parents from, from Sandy Hook tried to get it stopped. Again, I'm one of the people who supports free speech. I think more speech, even if it offends you, is better than oppressed or suppressed speech. So I'm, I'm happy this aired. I think it shows Alex Jones to be an adult. I think it shows Alex Jones to be a, a guy that peddles conspiracies to line his own pockets. I think that. Now, there are people who don't. There are people who think he is the, the gospel preacher, the guy who's going to save us all. Uh, I'm sorry if, if, that's, if that's the guy who's going to save us all. We are really doomed. We ain't, we ain't happy. Now, do you agree with me? Any Alex Jones fans out there? I know some of you have found me. If you dare, if you have the courage, I, because I don't think you do. I think ultimately all of these Alex Jonesers are really just, they're, they're the bully types who, when confronted, will run away. So if you want to talk, you're, you're welcome to. 888 Maybe you didn't watch it. Maybe you were busy watching the end of the U.S. Open Golf Tournament. Congratulations to uh, Brooks Kepka, picked up $2.16 million. Not a, not a bad weekend's work, is it? Yeah, I was, I was trying to do both. I watched both, so I got you covered. When we get back, I got um, to get into some of the stuff going on with the, the – um, we could either go with the Donald Trump situation – and how I think Newt Gingrich did a solid for Donald Trump this weekend. Or maybe we'll get into the news about the college kids. Or the strange story about the Colorado group that wants to put a limit, an age limit, on cell phone ownership. Huh, maybe we'll go there. We'll flip a coin when we get back on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Doc Thompson, the color tomorrow will be green. The color tomorrow will be green. Just letting you know what color underwear we're going to be wearing. It's going to be green. Just sharing that right now. A little bit of inside information there. Just exhaling. Before I get out of here, I I want you to, uh, before we wrap up this hour, uh, if you're having any joint pain due to inflammation, my question to you is why? Why are you waiting? Why haven't you called Relief Factor? 800-500-8384. That's the number. I'll repeat it again. Write it down. 800-500-8384. You can talk to the people at Relief Factor. They'll, they'll answer your questions. Or you can just call and say, look, I've listened to Mike. I need the three-week quick start pack. It's nineteen ninety-five. Take it, Take it three times a day, whatever it says there. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner works for me. And guess what? The inflammation in my knees and my back and my hips and my neck, gone. Got my life back. I'm out. I played a great round of golf yesterday. Okay, a semi-great round of golf. And uh, spent a lot of time in the garden as well, cutting down weeds, cleaning up. And it's all because I started using Relief Factor about 15 and a half weeks ago. The eighth day in, things started working for me. And I I hope and I believe they'll work for you. Check out relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com or call them at 800-500-8384. Relief Factor. All right, I'm, I, was, um, I can't get too deep into the Gingrich stuff. We'll do that at the top of the next hour. Dr. Wendy is going to join us uh, in the third hour of the show. She always does. A couple of really interesting cases to discuss with Dr. Wendy this week. But there's this story out of Colorado. A group wants to have a ban actually put into the, the legislature a law that would ban the sale of use, the sale of smartphones for use to children under 13. So you would not be able to use a smartphone or buy a smartphone if its intended use is for your child who is 12 years old or younger. Parents Against Underage, underage Smartphones is out actually collecting signatures. And Colorado officials actually looked at the language of the proposed ballot measure. They need about 300,000 signatures. The, the issue here, called Initiative 29, would prohibit retail stores from selling or permitting the sale of a smartphone to a person under the age of 13 or to any person who indicates that the smartphone will be wholly or partially owned by a person under the age of 13. According to the proposed law, retailers must verbally inquire about the age of the intended primary owner of the smartphone prior to the sale, document the response, and file a monthly report to the Department of Revenue. Great. Now we've added yet another layer of government. We have the smartphone age. What are we going to do? Background checks next? A retailer who sells a smartphone for use by a preteen would first get a warning on the first offense. And then the second offense, they could be fined. 
anywhere from 500 to, uh, are you ready for this? $20,000. All of this is based on the report from a doctor, Timothy Farnham, a board-certified anesthesiologist who says that children get a smartphone and they change. They go from being, according to Farnham, outgoing, energetic, interested in the world, and happy to becoming reclusive. They want to spend all their time in their room. They lose interest in outside activities. Can't the same be said of video games? Do we have an age limit? Can't, this, can't parenting have anything to do with this? He said, look, eventually kids are going to get phones and join the world, and I think we all know that. But little children, there's just no good that comes from that. It's from the Coloradan, the Denver paper. The Coloradan has this. I don't know where you stand on this. I'm, I'm a, not a fan of giving little kids cell phones to take to school. I think that's a different issue. And there are pediatric guidelines on cell phones for children. But I'd love to hear from you. 888-900-3393, Where do you stand on this parenting issue? Kids under 13, banned from owning cell phones. Good idea? Bad idea? I have some thoughts, more thoughts on this, and we'll share them next on Pure Opelka. With Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka only on the Blaze Radio Network. It is the third hour, of Pure Opelka. Happy to have you here. I, I'm I'm thrilled you're here. Actually, I appreciate you being here. Much to talk about this hour. Just got a little bit of news, apparently reported just a few minutes ago, and I'm, I'm going to, I believe the source on this, according to CNN, yes, 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 last night's Sunday night with Megyn Kelly, the one that had the Alex Jones interview, attracted 3.5 million people, and uh, that means... It lost to 60 Minutes, which had 5.3 million viewers. And I don't know if you're ready for this one. Both of those shows lost to ABC's America's Funniest Home Videos. (laughs) Anybody? (laughs) Uh, Oh, but wait, there's more. In the 18 to 49 year old demo, the coveted 18 to 49 year old demo, that's where all the money is that advertisers want. America's Funniest Home Videos beat both 60 Minutes and Megyn Kelly in her highly promoted Alex Jones interview by about 40%. But wait, there's more. It was a repeat, <laughs> it was a rerun. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that can't be a good thing. Not for Megyn Kelly. Not for the person who who paid all the money to get 
Megyn Kelly over to NBC. Uh, more on that later, but how about that? Alex Jones interview tanked the ratings, lost to a rerun of America's Funniest Home Videos. Ooh, that's got to hurt. Joining us right now, as she does every Monday, Dr. Wendy Patrick, wendypatrickphd.com is where you find Wendy. Uh, you, need to, you need to visit wendypatrickphd.com because that's where you find out everything that Wendy's up to. Uh, she's a lawyer. She's an author. She's a friend of this show and understands uh, the ins and outs of the law and what goes on in trials, Wendy's work trials. So I love it when we have legal news, especially trial news, to talk about. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? Good. Always a pleasure, Mike. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's always a pleasure for me. I have to put you on the hot seat early, though, because we're asking a vital question today. Sure. If you, if you had to give up one, would you give up air conditioning or the Internet? Air conditioning or the Internet? Air conditioning. So you would you would take the sweating to still have the uh, access to the internet? Yeah, wouldn't you? I don't know. I'm having a hard time figuring this out. <laughs> I, right I think now. I think you would, Mike. I mean, given the business you're in, you need the internet constantly. We need to get our news. <laughs> I know, but my family didn't stray as far from the apes as other people. I'm a furry guy, and you know the heat and the humidity. Mike, I think it depends on where you live. I think there are some people that live closer to the equator that would give up the Internet. They probably don't get reception there anyway. You, know, you think of the circumstances. Um, well, actually, you know, the whole world has great access to the Internet nowadays. So I think air conditioning depends more on climate. Yeah, that's true. But, but the uh, And somebody pointed out, Holly from West Virginia pointed out, look, summer doesn't last that long here. So That's gut right. it out, keep your internet, and wait for the fall and winter and spring. But just one of those Turn days, it's fan. hot. Turn on a fan. <laughs> well, you know, four years ago, I, I posted a video on the web of how to make a $20 air conditioner. And it's really just, you know, a, a cooler, ice, a fan, and some PVC piping. But it, wor it actually worked. It cooled a room in about 30 minutes on a hot day. But... Uh, I don't think I'd be allowed that under my rules, but let's get to legal stuff. What a week, huh? How crazy has oh, it been? We say that every Monday. <laughs> Lots of you know, we do. On. And maybe that's why we do this every Monday, because we know the crazy is just going to pile up. But right. the, the, Cosby, the Cosby thing, did that surprise you? Not at all. You know, um, sexual assault crimes are very difficult to prove. So you've got a man that's committed so many of them. We know that because we're privy to so much additional information beyond what that jury was given. But the jury, remember, they only got to hear from one other victim. So there was no patterns make the predator argument like there would have been if the prosecutor was allowed to introduce more victims. And they do that because they want to, they don't want to prejudice the defense so far where they're unable to, the jury's unable to try the case that's been presented in the courtroom. Um, but that would have been a lot more persuasive. Uh, the, the problem with sexual assault crimes is they're severely underreported. There's delayed disclosure for a variety of valid reasons in terms of why women don't, don't come forward quicker. But what that equates to in the courtroom is a very difficult case in many instances. We know that was true here, Mike, because that jury was out 
for almost as long as the case was presented. The case was presented five days and six minutes. Remember, this is the famous six-minute defense case. And they were out almost a whole week. They actually deliberated into Saturday and still couldn't reach a verdict. So I'm not surprised due to the number of questions they had, the number of days they were out, and the difficulty of proving these types of cases. Well, the the interesting thing about this to me is um, I, I think the prosecutor, after the announcement of the, the mistrial, I think the prosecutor totally blew it. I think he totally missed a chance to let the Cosby defense team squirm for 119 days. You know, he had 120 days to make a decision on retrial, and he could have just stayed quiet, said nothing. <laughs> And, and, you know, gotten a little bit of torture on Mr. Cosby. But, no, he came right on and said, absolutely, we're going back at him again. Defense Mistake or it. not? The defense already knew they were going to do that. So, I mean, the public would have been squirming, but the defense team already knew, no doubt, these types of things have been disguised, discussed behind the scenes. You know, that's the thing is, is you and I and the rest of the, the public, the court of public opinion, doesn't get to be involved in a lot of what goes on behind the scenes. And that issue, and which no doubt also includes the split. You know, that's the very first thing that lawyers want to know is what was the split. If it's 11 to 1 for not guilty, it's going to be a different scenario than if it's, you know, 10 to 2 for guilty. 6-6, six, six, same thing. So all of that affects whether or not a case is going to actually involve a plea bargain, whether it's going to be retried, whether a court is going to entertain a motion to dismiss the charges in the interest of justice. So all of these results depend on much more information than you and I have been given. So that's we always have to take sort of some of these public announcements with a grain of salt, knowing a lot more went into it than we know. Well, Cosby's statement, uh, it was in the New York Post on, I think, Sunday, and had him smiling on the cover of the newspaper saying, I just needed one, I only needed one to be sympathetic to me, and I was oh. going to walk. And I just felt like... stop talking. Oh. Yeah, it felt that way. And what did you feel about the the um, the person who told his spokesperson who told Gloria Allred to go back to law school? Oh, I hate to see that. You know, we, we've got to keep it about the evidence and not make it personal. You know, these types of things would never fly in a courtroom. And there's a reason for that. Justice can only be served when we're focusing on the merits. Both parties have a job to do. You know, that's the thing. It, it, when, it's kind of the same thing with politics, isn't it? In, we've got to keep it about the issues, about the merits of the issues, and not about the personalities involved, or we just devolve into something that is not helpful for either side. And we've seen that go on in the Cosby trial the same way we have in other high-profile cases, when people unfortunately let emotion overtake logic. Well, when when Cosby, on more than one occasion, came out and outside of the courtroom went, hey, 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 I was like, oh, no, oh, you didn't. My gosh. You, he did the Fat Albert call on more than one occasion. <laughs> I thought he was he was kind of signaling that he felt I got this. It's it's not going to get me. I, I'm, I'm going to get away with this. And I just felt so bizarre and creeped out by that. But, yeah. you know, at, as a lawyer, don't you tell your client, hey, don't do that again. Oh, you bet you do. You're, you know, and, and, but we've seen clients do this. Remember Michael Jackson jumping up on top of the car and doing the dance? I mean, we saw O.J. Simpson do it. It doesn't 
always inure to the benefit of the accused, but sometimes it does. That's the risk they run, the risk they take. And, you know, as lawyers, we can only go so far in terms of client control. We don't ever want to call it that. Maybe it's not client control. Maybe it's just advising clients in the strongest possible terms. And as we see here, it still doesn't work. Well, uh, in in the other case that I don't know as much about this one, obviously, as you do, but this one the story of the girl who is now, because of a text message, called a murderer. How do you yeah, feel about this, this one? This is a this case that was highly publicized shortly after it happened. It was a woman that encouraged her ex-boyfriend to kill himself. He was already obviously predisposed, but she really, through a series of text messages, phone calls, uh, the allegations were talked and into it to an extent that was criminally reckless to where it constituted homicide. What kind of homicide was what the trial was about? And this was a case where, uh, very much unlike the Cosby case, uh, her lawyer waived jury and tried the case to a judge. Now, that's a strategy that obviously is undertaken with an eye towards where is a client going to get a more sympathetic audience. Backfired here because the judge convicted her not of murder, but of involuntary manslaughter, basically ruling that a person's words alone can directly cause someone else's suicide. So while, of course, the defense was saying, judge, this isn't suicide, this isn't homicide, it's plain suicide, the judge disagreed and basically said that she uh, basically took enough steps to uh, make it wanton and reckless conduct, talking the now deceased into a scenario where there's a high degree of likelihood that substantial harm will result, and thereby found it to be a homicide. And the penalty, she's going to be sentenced on August the 3rd, she could be looking at up to 20 years in prison. And I, I heard a very interesting comparison today from our college, colleague Stu Bergier, who said, well, you know, Manson never killed anybody, but he talked people into it. Isn't this kind of on the same level? Well, it's, it's, there's a similar rationale to an extent, but the difference is Manson was a co-conspirator of sorts, whereas this woman was talking directly to the decedent who killed himself. Um, we, we can make actually lots of comparisons if you look at aiding and abetting, accessory before and after the fact, conspiracy law. But this wasn't a class by itself in terms of causation. This man killed himself, but he was egged on to an extent that was uh, really considered to be the kind of reckless and wanton conduct that qualifies for involuntary manslaughter. Now, as you can imagine, the judge's ruling is facing an enormous amount of legal backlash from people uh, mainly on the defense side that say this doesn't cut it, this isn't enough, she's 30 miles away, she can't be held liable for simply uh, words. Uh, but the judge held, in, and I'm paraphrasing, words are deadly weapons, and they were so in this case. Uh, but the other reason that the, a lot of people are pushing back on the defense side is they're saying, you know, there's this sort of a millennial defense and not understanding the value of words and how words can be deadly weapons. Because if you look at the court of public opinion, Twitter, Facebook, the kinds of things people say online, there seems to be a lack of accountability. Of, of, I would even you know, say bullying goes down this road as well. Some young people don't understand the impact, sometimes deadly, of their words. That's something that no doubt is going to be brought up at the sentencing hearing as, as a potential mitigant. But you also got to believe, Mike, this lawyer is going to appeal this verdict. He has said he was, um, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of an appeal that looks like, given that it was a judge trial. 
Well, he did. He did say he's going to appeal. I'm, I, I agree yeah. with you. I'm sure he's going to do that. The one thing that makes me believe that this is different than just saying, "Oh yeah, go kill yourself." Is he had he had apparently gotten out of the car, and she That's told right. him to get back in because he and had the judge doubts. Told that broke the chain of self causation. That is something where the judge actually said. This decedent, he took himself out of that toxic environment, uh, becoming overcome with the fumes, uh, and she talked him back in. So, you know, he had a lot to work with in terms of just some horrendous things. And and these weren't idle words. She was seriously talking him into trying to make sure he killed himself. Having taken that in the worst possible light, the legal argument from the defense side, not from the prosecution side, the prosecution argued it was homicide, but from the defense side, they are saying, even though it's despicable what she did, legally, it wasn't enough. And by the way, Massachusetts doesn't have an assisted suicide crime. So that's a very interesting argument going forward, um, because, you know, a lot of people don't want to create this kind of precedent, a lot of people on the defense side. So those are going to be the arguments, no doubt, as this, as this case is appealed. I can't wait to follow this. It's it's one that it's easy to have a knee jerk reaction and go, wait a minute, it's just a tweet. And then you read the details and you say, oh, my God, there there's a lot more here than meets the eye. Uh, Dr. Wendy Patrick, case. always a it's pleasure. A case. That's right. Never enough time with you, my friend. Never <laughs> enough time. Uh, we We need to. I need to talk less and let you talk more. So I promise to no, do that next I time. No, I love it. I love the back and forth, Mike. It really makes the segment fun. Thank you always for having me. Thank you, Dr. Wendy. There she goes. Uh, Wendy Patrick, PhD, her book, Red Flags, How to Get Rid of Those Frenemies in Your Life Who Are Causing Problems. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951 on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. You know, you know, you know that I have changed my life 15 weeks ago. I'm in my 16th week of taking Relief Factor. It's an all-natural, inflammation-reducing combination of natural substances, including fish oil. And uh, I will tell you, I started taking it. I got the three-week quick start pack. Started taking it very faithfully, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you have to do that. And I noticed on day eight, I was no longer taking or feeling the need to take that handful of over-the-counter green gel caps that were making me nervous about, you know, being healthy. So an all-natural anti-inflammatory combination helps me now get my life back. I'm playing golf. 
I'm hitting the hell out of the golf ball, by the way. You can see some of the work. I tweeted out some of my golf yesterday. So you can see it on the Twitter. But I'm in the garden. I'm working in the garden hours on end. And guess what? I would have been laid up for a day. But no more. Relief factor. It changed me. It changed many of our cohorts here. If you got bad knees, bad hips, bad neck, and all due to inflammation, relief factor could help you get your life back. Call them. 800 500 Or get more information. Go to relieffactor.com right now. Uh, I have to play something for you because it, it triggered a bunch of people. And it has me wondering, are we going to have to have another serious conversation with people about, uh, well, about violence and politics? It is, it's an item from a guy who writes for Town Hall. And he's included in an ad, in a political ad, Barack Obama's voice from the past. Listen to the clip from Obama. Tation politics. Black people in the worst jobs, the worst housing, police brutality rampant. But when the so-called black committeemen came around election time, we'd all line up and vote the straight Democratic ticket. Sell our souls for a Christmas turkey. Let's not sell out for another Christmas turkey. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Paid for by the Great America Alliance. There is a whole lot of anger about the use of Barack Obama's voice in the Great America Alliance ad telling voters don't sell out for a Christmas turkey. And the guy behind it is a black American and he will join us just around the corner. I'm Puro Pelka. We'll find out all the details next. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Puro Pelka. A lot going on today and a lot going on tomorrow. Tomorrow is, of course, the special election, the runoff in uh, Georgia in the 6th District that features the Democrat, who doesn't even live in the district, John Ossoff, against uh, Karen Handel. Karen is going to join us tomorrow, by the way, in, uh, in the middle of Election Day. She's going to join us and check in, and, and we'll get an update on what's going on. Now, today... The latest poll numbers are kind of tough on on what's going to happen, but we all know what poll numbers can be like and how wrong they can be, a witness by the last presidential election in November. And this race is getting a lot of attention. This race is getting a lot of money spent on it. The most expensive 
election for a House seat ever, probably one of the more expensive elections for uh, any other than a presidential election, any, any time, over $40 million. And they've already had more people vote in early voting than voted in the last runoff that they had. It's, it's just kind of crazy. And tied into this, uh, there's outrage over one ad that uses uh, the uh, Scalise shooting and ties Ossoff and the Democrats to the Scalise shooting And then there's a a new outrage from some on the left over the clip I just played you from the Great Alliance Political Action Committee that uses Barack Obama's voice. And the guy involved in that, the guy who you hear speaking on that ad, Autry Pruitt, is uh, a board member from Fairtax.org. You guys know I'm a huge fan of Fairtax. He's also a guy that does some radio. And a guy who's got some commentary out there, and he's on the phone with us. Autry, welcome to Pure Opelka, sir. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be on board with you. Well, uh, we're, we're happy you could make this happen. It's kind of a, a crazy time, I guess. Uh, where are you located today, Autry? I am in uh, the great state of Texas uh, today. That's, that's a- actually where I live. That's, that's what I thought. I had heard, I heard you were a Corpus Christi guy. That's correct. That's correct. Well, we are we're covering the nation. As you know, the blaze is in Dallas and and I'm up in Delaware. And and you you have decided, I guess, to to speak out about uh, and you've been doing this for a while about the way that the, the black voters in America have been treated by the Democratic Party over years. And it's no secret that I think a lot of a lot of black voters have felt disenfranchised. They've been expected to be loyal, but may not have been recipients of all the benefits they were promised over the years, especially if you look at the last eight years of Barack Obama. And it, was there an awakening for you? Were you always a conservative or did something happen that put you into uh, this mode? Well, I have, I have always been a, a, a conservative. Uh, and the reason is because any major problem that anyone in the black community feels that they have politically is always because of big government. Uh, we don't have a lot of time on the program. However, I can even walk you through uh, the original sin, chattel slavery. That was actually perpetuated by big government policies because had big government had big government not been there, slavery would have died off long before it did. If you go to Jim Crow, Jim Crow was perpetuated by big government. Even if you're on the left and, you're, and you feel that uh, individuals in the policing community don't inherently treat African-Americans correctly, well, guess what that's related to? Big, intrusive government telling you have to have 18 licenses for your car, you got to have this, you got to have that emissions test, etc. It all has to do with big government. So it was very clear to me. Not only that, but let's just look at the raw data. Let's be real if I can for a moment. Why is it that you had individuals such as Sheila Jackson Lee, individuals such as uh, uh, Representative Cummings, you've had them representing black areas saying the same thing for 40 or 50 years. At some point you have to say, 
listen, Democrats, you've been promising us the world since Lyndon Johnson, and now we actually have, as a community, a negative, or the, one of the lowest, I should say, net worth. I believe last time I checked, the Hispanic net worth was actually higher than African-American net worth. Big, big, uh, big government Obama continued the big bailout of George Bush. What was the difference in that the black community was decimated in 2008, 2009? Then, then on top of that, the Democrats want to come along just as black people are starting to make wealth, starting to make money, and then they want to say, wait a second, we, you need to pay more. You need to pay more in taxes. Are you crazy? So I've advocated for a very long time, all the way back through high school, I've advocated that individuals who are black Americans should do everything they can legally to earn as much money as they can, keep as much money as they can, and pay the government as little as they possibly can legally. That's why I'm going to acknowledge Trump. We are, we are so in sync on this, Mr. Pruitt. Autry Pruitt is his name. Uh, he happens to be embroiled in a little bit of a controversy outside of the discussion we're having here. And that controversy is uh, in this ad that is encouraging black voters to avoid, uh, I'm going to use the term plantation politics, the quote that Obama's heard talking about. And uh, then he used the term uh, selling our souls for a Christmas turkey. Uh, You've gotten a lot of heat for this ad, for this uh, political action committee ad. Yes, I've gotten a lot of heat. I've gotten thousands of hate messages. Uh, the, the, the welcoming left, the people they say they're about uplifting African-Americans. They've called me everything from an Uncle Tom to a, a coon saying I should die. They don't know me. They don't know who I am. The bottom line is this. I've been saying this for years. At some point, black folks, we as black folks, have to stand up and say, who cares if there's two or three on the, on the far fringes of both parties, by the way. Remember Senator Robert Byrd who want to be racist, who cares, they're losers. At some point, we have to stand up and say, the Democrats have been promising handouts for decades, and they have done nothing. They have done nothing. And at some point, we have to look at other communities and say, guess what? What were the Jews able to do? What were the Korean communities able to do? What were the Chinese able to do? Guess what? All they said is, if government leaves us alone, you don't have to give us any handouts. But as long as you don't oppress us, as long as you protect our property rights, which is did not, that's what did not happen during Jim Crow, then guess what? We will achieve on our own. Just leave us alone. Let us be. And you will find that. You will find, regardless of their political leanings, you will find that in communities from Detroit to Texas to California to D.C., in black communities where people were left alone, but the property rights were respected, black communities thrive. Where they don't thrive is when government steps into the way. So yeah, so I've been getting pushback on the ad, but I don't care. And Obama knows the same thing. And frankly, so do even left-wing thinkers. Tavis Smiley came, uh, he's a left-wing thinker. He was very hard on Obama. Uh, uh, Eric Michael Dyson, I believe his name is Eric Dyson. He was very hard on President Obama. Uh, you had Cordell West, who's a lefty, almost a Marxist. He was very hard on Obama because they all realized what I knew from the very beginning. President Obama, just like all these most, most, I should say most other African-American elected representatives, particularly on the Democrat side, they are about themselves. 
they are not about uplifting the community. And the proof is that if you look in the communities, the black folks are worse off than they were in 1965. Isn't that crazy? At some point, someone has to say, wait a second, when the Klan could ride free and burn a cross in front of my house, we still were financially better off than we are in 2008. Whose it's fault a, is that? It's government. If you look it, at the well, mortgage crisis. It is government, and you're absolutely right. And uh, I, I hope that uh, people don't take this ad and turn it into a violent situation. I know you've had some pushback. There have been some, as I said, CNN has reported on this ad and, and made it, uh, I believe their headline read, a uh, pro-Trump group is using Obama's voice out of context in radio ad. I don't know if that's quite out of context. It's just you're taking a clip from his book, from Dreams from My it's Father. Not, it's not out of context. Obama was, ma- if you read his book, Obama was making the point that in the barbershop, and, and in the places where, within the black community, other black Americans were hanging out saying, wait a second. They come around, they ask us for a vote, they tell us all this, they're going to give us this, they're going to give us that, and then they go back and do what they want to do anyway. The black community should realize this from the bailout. The bailout went to the big banks, guess what, owned by mostly white Americans. They didn't yep. go to any African-American bank. They're, they're, people are fooling themselves. President Obama doesn't care. Look at who he's hanging out with. He's on Richard Branson's yacht. Come on, man. You're, they're foolish. They're foolish. And what they're mad about, Mike, let me tell you, what, the, what they're mad about, the left is mad about, is it's not working. That people are starting to say, you know what? Everybody can't be racist. Mitt Romney can't be racist. George Bush can't be racist. Trump can't be racist. Every Republican is racist. At some point, the jig is up, and it's up. And that's what my ad is about. I will defend it to the hilt, and I will fight back against any American of any pigmentation that wants well, to tell me makes, otherwise. His name is Autry Pruitt. He makes great sense. You can find him on Twitter, at Autry. You can also follow him on uh, fairtax.org. And you can see the ad. It's on uh, Autry's Twitter page. It's uh, posted by the Great Alliance, Great American Alliance. And uh, it, it's right there. So don't sell out for a Christmas turkey. The time for change is now. And what do you? I've got like 30 seconds left here, Autry. Yeah. Predictions on tomorrow because the polls aren't looking very positive. The polls aren't looking. Po- I have no predictions on tomorrow. 20, the Democrats are spending, even if they win, $24 million? $24 million to win one House seat? Oh, my gosh. My prediction, my prediction is that um, the Republicans will eke out the win, but it won't be decisive. But then again, it's the polls. They lied during the last election. So what do we know? I appreciate you being here on the last second notice, Autry Pruitt. And I hope you'll come back again, sir. No problem. Have a great day. You too. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I cannot believe how quickly the show has gone by. Uh, I, I'm 
I'm amazed at how fast this moves, and thank you guys for joining in the conversation along the way. I I wanted to at least spend a, a few moments here giving pause, taking a moment, and saying, God rest the souls of the seven U.S. Navy members who perished Sunday night, Saturday morning, Sunday night, in the... Uh, the crash that happened. Uh, it's, it's terrible. Gunner's mate, Seaman Dakota Kyle Rigsby from Palmyra, Virginia. Yeoman third class, Shingo Alexander Douglas from San Diego. Sonar Tech, Mr. Uh, Trong Hoon from Oak, Oakley, Oakville, Connecticut. Gunner's mate, Noah Hernandez from Westlaco, Texas. I know that town. Fire Controlman in second class, Carlos Victor, Sibion from uh, Chula Vista, California, personnel specialist Xavier Martin from Halethorpe, Maryland, and fire controlman first class Gary Leo Ream from El Elria, Ohio. All seven souls lost in that crash that we need to know how that happened. God bless you all and God bless your families and thank you. And an update on Steve Scalise. Scalise's condition is improving, and based on everything we heard from the doctors last week, he might even be able to walk and run. It truly is a miracle. But then after that, how does Scott Pelley from CBS even think he can make a statement like this? It's time to ask whether the attack on the United States Congress yesterday was foreseeable, predictable, and to some degree self-inflicted. Self-inflicted, Scott Pelley? Self-inflicted? Seriously, sir. Seriously, you want to go on television and say that to some degree this was self-inflicted? He went on to say too many leaders and political commentators who set an example for us to follow have led us into an abyss of violent rhetoric, which it should be no surprise has led to violence. No, sir, this was not self-inflicted. No, sir, not self-inflicted. I'm sorry, Scott Pelley, but you're way off on this one. I hope you take a moment every day, Scott Pelley, to thank God for your multi-million dollar job that you get to read someone else's writing and occasionally yours in front of a teleprompter and then pitch whatever agenda you guys in the mainstream media think is important. And I hope as you're thanking God for your multi-million dollar salary, that you're also saying a prayer for Steve Scalise to survive for everybody else whose family, and especially the families of those two heroes who took out this idiot for them. Thank God for them and hopefully pray for their recovery, complete recovery. Just insane, to some degree, self-inflicted. Wrong, Scott Pelley. Wrong on so many levels. Michael Pelka stepping out of here. I'll be back tomorrow. By the way, Karen Handel joins us tomorrow on Election Day, special election in Georgia. We'll find out how she's doing in the middle of the day. Testudo, my friends. Testudo.
Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Second hour, Pure Opelka kicking off uh, the second hour as we get moving and grooving here. An hour from right now, Dr. Wendy joins us. Wendy Patrick, Ph.D., lawyer, trial lawyer. Somebody I respect in that world, and we're going to talk about law. Some of the interesting cases in the law. Yeah, I want to know about the one about the um, involuntary manslaughter from the text messages. It doesn't sound innocent at first, and then you look at it, and there's more to it. We'll get to that an hour from now, so come on back. We're also watching any updates on what's going on in both Paris and London. The terror attack in Paris where the car rammed into a mobile police unit. And uh, in the car that the, the terrorist was driving, they found weapons and explosives. He's dead. And then in London, we're still trying to find out whether or not they're treating it as terror, whether it was uh, a retribution, a revenge motive, or if it was um, Islamic terror. We don't know. Uh, and, and don't jump to conclusions. And uh, we have yet to get into what I thought was a pretty solid favor from from um, Newt Gingrich yesterday on the talk shows as he made the rounds. He and Jay Sekulow were everywhere yesterday, everywhere. But I wanted to continue the discussion about cell phones and kids under the age of 13. There's a group in Colorado that's trying to ban cell phones, smartphones, essentially, for kids younger than 13. And they're trying to put it on the ballot. The interesting thing here is the, the law they're proposing would actually penalize the retailer. First offense, warning. After that, anywhere from $500 to $20,000 in fines for each incidence of a retailer knowingly selling a cell phone to a person under the age of 13 or to an adult who intends to give it to a person under the age of 13. Again, we have to judge intent. What did we, I, I brought up, are we going to do background checks now? But they want documented responses to this question that then are filed monthly with the Department of Revenue. We're creating more and bigger government. Colorado, what the hell is going on with you people? You used to be a reliable red state. You're becoming a deep blue state. You're purple right now. But one of the interesting points here, and again, the smartest audience ever is this audience. You guys are on top of this. Uh, the Duchess of Kofefe, a.k.a. at Stacy Rippy on the Twitter, at Stacy Rippy writes, while I am not for more regulation, I am completely for getting info to public on how detrimental early smartphone use is. And that's, that's where this article kind of wins some support. The American Academy of Pediatrics has put out guidelines for smartphone use in kids. And the, the academy, which is, again, all doctors who deal with little ones, says children younger than 18 months should avoid the use of screen media other than video chatting. 
screen media. First time I'd heard that term. They also say parents of children 18 to 24 months of age and up to two years old who want to introduce digital media should choose high-quality programming and watch it with their children to help them understand what they're seeing. For kids two to five, limit screen use to one hour per day of high-quality programming. Where are you going to find an hour of high-quality programming? Parents should co-view media with children to help them understand what they are seeing and apply it to the world around them. Now, we all know parents who use iPads, portable media, tablet media as a babysitter. We all know it. When I was a kid, we were plopped in front of the TV uh, at a very young age. I remember programs we watched at the age of five. So it was the boob tube, right? For children six and older, the American Academy of Pediatrics says, place consistent limits on the time spent using media, the types of media, and make sure media does not take the place of adequate sleep, physical activity, and other behaviors essential to health. Easy to say, right? Designate media-free times together, such as dining or driving, as well as media-free locations in the home, such as bedrooms and have ongoing communication about online citizenship, safety, including treating others with respect online and offline. All of this is good information. But if the parent doesn't do it, I have friends who, who have instituted a no cell phone rule at the dinner table with their kids. When the family sits down to dinner, the cell phones go in a basket and they're taken into another room. And I would say shut them off, but they leave them on. But at least that's a start. Try yourself. Try yourself not to look into your cell phone during a meal, whether at home or out, whether you're with uh, your other half, a good friend, your kids, your coworkers. Just try and get through a meal without it and see if you can if it's tough for you, think of how tough it's going to be for kids because of the, the value they place on contact with their friends, the currency that is involved in digital communication, the weight at which they put on getting those responses to their stuff and then reacting to those responses. This is where a lot of this starts. But apparently, um, Dr. Farnham, says that a toddler could experience speech and language difficulties after constantly looking at screens. And I, I know what constantly looking at a laptop computer or a, or a computer screen has done. My vision is not as sharp as it used to be. But it's one of those things that if you make yourself get away, they say every, every hour, get out and go away for a few minutes and look at the world outside of you. I know it's a unique concept. It could help. But what about these kids? Where do you stand? Good idea? Bad idea? Do we ban the sale of smartphones? I'm against a ban of sale of smartphones to kids younger than 13. If a kid who's 12 years old has the money to buy a smartphone, and if there's a law that says the kid can't buy it, if that kid has the money it takes to purchase that phone, You want to bet they're going to find a way to get a 13-year-old to buy it for him? I'm not saying it's the same thing as buying beer when you were 
15 or 16 or 17 or 18 years old, as might have been the case in some of our lives. But it kind of runs parallel to that, doesn't it? So the ban in this case on the cell phone purchase seems kind of useless to me. What I think needs to be emphasized here is better parenting. So to the Colorado group that wants to create more government and more reporting and more forms to be sent to the Department of Revenue and more threats of fines over this, I think it's a a gigantic waste of time. So thank you very much, Colorado. Thank you very much for that. To me, it's, it's an awful idea. If you have a thought, you want to weigh in, 888 Do your kids under the age of 13, do they have cell phones? I don't have the problem, don't have the gift of children, so I don't have the issue. But if you, if you want more on this, uh, I'll tweet out a link to the story because I find it fascinating. And you know what? We'll try and ask Dr. Jorge. He joins us Wednesday for the, um, the, we- the Wellness Wednesday. And we, we've already put in a request for Dr. Jorge to weigh in on whether or not the snorting of uh, chocolate, as reported this weekend, the snorting of chocolate is a good idea. Oh, you didn't hear that story? I'll share that with you around the break. I, I need to get an update because there are some updates out of um, the Middle East on, on the Syrian plane issue, and we'll, we'll catch up on that and give you the latest breaking news in that arena next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. The update on the Russian thing. Look, we shot down a Syrian jet, a Syrian warplane. And now Russia, who has been supporting Bashar al-Assad, has told us, you guys cross, cross this one line. It's a line in the air, of course, the Euphrates River. We will consider you to be enemy enemy aircraft and we will shoot you down and at the same time they unplugged the direct communication that we had had previously to make sure there was no conflict in our plans to patrol the skies over Syria well so now we don't have communication and we've been told that we will be considered enemies if we cross that line interesting right they called uh our shooting down of, of the Syrian warplane, an act of aggression. 
I wonder what the Russians think the the takeover of Ukraine was and Crimea. Was that an act of aggression? Really? Hmm. I wonder. I wonder. Um, I understand we have a call from West Virginia. Who's calling again from West Virginia? Holly is calling from West Virginia. Hello, Holly. How are you? Hi, I'm really doing good. I love your show. It's the first time I've ever called in, and I listen almost every day just as often as I can, and then I listen at night if I miss it. Well, God bless you. You are so kind, and, you know, I visited your fair state a couple of different occasions to a a beautiful place called the Nemecolon. It's uh, Oh, no, Nemecolon, that's in Pennsylvania. No, no, no. Really? Oh, oh you know what? You, originally, I've only been wait, in West Virginia a year. You are, you, I stand corrected. You're absolutely right. But we, when we drove to the Nemecolon, we stopped in, in West Virginia because that's where the Don Knotts Museum is. And it's oh, yeah. minutes from the Nemecolon. <laughs> I didn't know there was a museum. I've been here a year, but I've, I've been on Don Knotts Highway many times. <laughs> Well, there's an actual museum in in honor of the great American actor, Don Knotts. And you're so right. I'm so embarrassed. But the Nemecolon is there. So what's on your mind this Monday? So I wanted to address the issue of England possibly wanting to take the homes of rich people that are not occupied. Yes. So they consider that property. But in the future, perhaps they'll redefine property, how much money you have in the bank, how much you have in stocks and bonds, whatever they wanted to find it so that they can get some of it. Well, exactly. And who's to say that those of us who may have a food storage, that that wouldn't be considered as food banking, the way they looked at the empty homes as property banking, or like you said, your, right. your, your, your metals that you might have, those might be metal banking. And maybe those firearms you have, maybe we need to reassign those as well. It's yep, very they can disturbing. It however they want, whenever they want. And see, this is the reality that people don't realize is lurking out there. It's absolutely a real possibility that a government, once given uh, or all the restraints are removed, can come in and decide everything should be reallocated to uh, how they consider fairness to have been assigned. Uh, it's right, maddening, but, isn't but it? But I don't. I don't think they remove them all at once. They just do it one step at a time, like starting in on these big homes that people say, yeah, I should have a piece of that. And then they just exactly. go another step and another step. And, and you know that the care and maintenance of that home will never be as large a priority to the people to whom it is given than to the person who actually paid for it and understands the value of what it took to get that home. They won't, they won't say, you know what, we need to make sure this property looks great. Because there's no, there's no net worth really in it to them. They were just given this thing. Oh, it's so maddening to me. Yep, that's right. You got it. Now, where, you, where do you stand on the vital question of the day? If, Holly, if you were told you have to surrender one, either air conditioning or the Internet, which would you surrender? I believe it would be air conditioning. See, I, it's, um, it's tough for me to have... give up air conditioning. Yeah, it's tough, but, you know, I do live in a place where there's winter and the hot summer doesn't last forever. And um, I actually don't have television service. I don't watch TV. Well, it's okay. <laughs> but, I do have, but I do have Wi-Fi. So, you know, I use the Internet. 
I watch movies on Wi-Fi, some television shows through Wi-Fi. So, so I gave up so, Wi-Fi, giving up all my entertainment. Well, not all of it. I do other things too, of course, but I'd be giving up that kind of entertainment. Totally. Well, entertainment and research in some areas. One of the somebody called me during the break and said, uh, uh, "If I gave up the internet but kept the air conditioning, could I go to the library and watch and look at the internet?" And I said, "No, you can't. <laughs> Giving up internet means all internet." Uh, I love. But they can go to the, the library pe- and read some books. <laughs> yeah, that's a, another good idea. Get to the library, pick up a book, and look into it. It's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Holly. Well, thank you for joining the conversation. I'm so happy you're out there. And, uh, thank you. And, this is and, a, enjoy- I've already in- talked hmm? um, to a radio host like this might be my third time, and it was least nervous with you. Thank you so much. Well, I always feel like I'm talking to friends when I talk to this audience, so it, I, I'm glad it felt natural to you, too. Thank you, Holly. Have a great rest of your day. I, I do Bye. love. I do love this audience. They're... They're smart, and she nailed me right away. The Nemecolon Resort is, uh, it is in Pennsylvania, but it's really close to the West Virginia border, and that's where I got a little screwed up. All right, about, uh, about 40 minutes away from talking to a friend, Dr. Wendy, and some of the things I wanted to talk to Wendy about, obviously things that are in, in the news legally, but there was a decision that came down from the Supreme Court today that I think is an important one, And people in the NFL and people who are self-righteous protectors of the Native Americans, even though they're not Native Americans, are going to be upset today. Those self-righteous Native American defenders who hate the Washington Redskins logo. Well, the decision out of the Supreme Court that said registered trademarks, if they are offensive, they are not necessarily illegal. So this was the the case actually was not built around the Washington Redskins. The case was actually built around a band called the Slants. The Slants, S L A N T S. And the Slants had members who were Asian. And people thought it was a very offensive name uh, especially referring to uh, some people use the pejorative term slant-eyed person when talking about Asians. So the slants were told they could not have their trademark because it was offensive. And they went all the way to the Supreme Court on it. And the Supreme Court ruled that you can't deny a trademark based on the fact that it might be offensive to some people. Well, guess what? It was just a few short years ago that the Washington Redskins were denied or had their trademark revoked because they were trying to force the Redskins to change their name. They couldn't force the name change, but by denying the trademark, revoking the trademark, they took away the financial incentive because, you know, you can sell merchandise with a trademark logo and make money. Well, by taking away the Redskins' trademark, they took away a revenue stream thinking the Redskins would change. They didn't. So the Supreme Court ruling today that uh, handed the slants a victory handed the Redskins a victory too. And there's going to be a lot of people who wanted that logo changed, a lot of people who wanted that name changed that aren't going to be happy. And I, for one, say, too bad. 
let the Redskins nation rise again and let them get paid for their trademark. We'll see what happens. I'm sure there'll be some discussion on this one all day today. Michael Pelka on Puro Pelka. We'll be back after the break. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, welcome back to Pure Opelka. A busy day here as we're watching uh, many different things unfold in the world. Uh, I'm telling you to watch tonight. Watch the Senate tonight as the Democrats are going to try and slow things down. Try and bring to a halt the GOP's efforts to push through the Senate bill on health care which uh, they're saying they're going to try and get this done by the 4th of July. And again, I, I really think the GOP is trying to make a statement based on a date versus the actual, the actual quality of the bill. Remember the first time the House tried to pass their bill that would repeal Obamacare? They were trying to do it on the day that the original Obamacare bill was signed. So they focused on the execution on based on the date, based on the history, as opposed to focusing on getting a decent bill done. And in doing so, they screwed the pooch. They messed it up. And then that started this, this down spiral, downward spiral on the health care issue which was one of the things that, that the GOP managed to get control of all three branches of government, the House, of the legislative government, of the House and the Senate and the, the White House, managed to get control of all three, which gave us another chance to help make the Supreme Court into a conservative place. They got it based on the hope that they would, the promise that they would redo health care and fix and get rid of Obamacare. Get it out and replace it with something that would work. So they screwed it up the first time by trying to do it on the anniversary. And now we're playing this game with the 4th of July and the Independence Day recess. Now we're going to try and time it to this. And guess what? The Democrats know what you're up to. So instead of working on a bill and trying to make the timing work, you're going to get you're going to get more problems. You're going to have a big problem, people. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And tonight we'll see. We will absolutely see. All right. I guess I, I, I need to get to my kudos for Newt Gingrich. And sometimes this bothers me because I'm. I'm not a big Newt Gingrich fan. I'm glad Newt Gingrich is not the president. I'm glad Donald Trump didn't pick him as a vice president. 
I'm just, I think he's a really smart guy. But, you know, sometimes you need someone with a little diplomacy. However, he's good at explaining things like the situation between Donald Trump and uh, Mueller and Comey and the investigations and why, why, why we need to, we need to point out the connections between Mueller and, and the Democrats. Gingrich was on all the Sunday talk shows, and this was the basic spiel he delivered on, on the topic. I think, I think Trump sits there and says, let me get this straight. I know I didn't do anything with the Russians. Comey has said three times I didn't do anything with the Russians. Nobody in Capitol Hill has any proof I did anything with the Russians. And now I get an independent counsel who is going to mess up at least the next year at a minimum. And who, by the way, you'll notice is expanding his charge. I mean, now they're talking about not the Russians. They're talking about obstruction. Now they're talking about going and looking at financial files, if you believe the leak. And I said yesterday, you get two more leaks like this, Rosenstein's going to have to appoint a special counsel to investigate the special counsel. Do you think Rosenstein should recuse himself? No. I mean, I think this whole game of recusal now is, is this is a nightmare. I, and, I, and I don't think people realize this. You have, you have this, this legalistic nightmare trying to block the Trump presidency on behalf of a department which, in which 97% of the money was given to Hillary, and you want me to believe this is all just random behavior. As a historian, I don't believe it. And, and I thought that was really well laid out. He added a little bit more. So you think Bob Mueller is politicizing I, this investigation, no, you, and, you, and that's why you, you don't tell, trust you him? You tell me why the first four names that came up, I don't know about the next nine, the first four names are all people who gave to Democrats. Two of them are people with a record of hiding evidence from the defense, and one of them is a person who defended the Clinton Foundation. Now, in this environment with a Justice Department where 97% of the donations for last year went to Hillary, 97%, explain to me why I should relax as a Republican. And you know what? Martha Raddatz, who was filling in this weekend for George Stephanopoulos, Martha Raddatz had nothing to say. He asked question after question of her. She had no response because she can't respond. Because it's the truth. The facts are absolutely cut and dried. Now, the thing that confused me is Donald Trump put out that tweet saying he was under investigation. And then he sends Jay Sekulow out to make the talk show rounds. And Sekulow, a, a guy I think is a brilliant man, a brilliant mind, a strong conservative. I think he was put in a bad spot. Because the president goes out and says, look, I'm under investigation. And then you send out a lawyer who says, no, he's not under investigation. I'm sorry, but... That one's going to be fodder for the mainstream media, the liberal end of it, forever and ever and ever, no matter what Jay Sekulow says. Should we take that tweet from the president, this confirmation that the president is under investigation? Let me be clear, the president's not under investigation. As James Comey said in his testimony that the president was not the target of investigation on three different occasions, the president is not a subject or target of an investigation. That tweet was in response to a Washington Post story that ran with five unnamed sources without identifying the agencies they represented, saying that the special counsel had broadened out his investigation to include the president. They, we've had no indication of that. The president was responding to that 
particular statement from the Washington Post, again, with five anonymous sources. Right. And again, without even identifying the agency. So, no, the president's not under investigation, has not been. Well, Jay Sekulow is basing that on what James Comey told the president some time ago. And things can move pretty quickly in D.C., as we know. This only gives fodder to people like Adam Schiff to get in front of cameras and stir up more crap. What's happening here is the, the president wants to take down Bob Mueller. Uh, his lawyer wants to take down Bob Mueller. And the question is why? And I think the answer is they want to lay the foundation to discredit whatever Bob Mueller comes up with. They're essentially engaging in a scorched earth litigation strategy that is beginning with trying to discredit the prosecutor. Uh, and that's all that's happening here. I don't think we should uh, acquiesce in the besmirchment of this good man. And we ought to let him do his job. He is just getting started. Well, you know, the scorched earth policy here of, of the, as he's accusing the GOP and the president's lawyers of doing, the scorched earth policy does have some facts behind it. When you go out and find out that 97% of the four people or 90% of 7% of the money from the four people that Mueller has hired went to the Hillary Clinton campaign in their political donations. It's, it does bear looking into, it does bear mentioning it. Absolutely. You, you have to say, okay, come on, come on. We got to deal with this. So watch this space. I don't think you're going to see a, a recusal from uh, the assistant attorney general. I don't think you're going to see a firing of Mueller. And now that I've said that, I'm wondering if I've just jinxed Bob Mueller. <laughs> we will see. There's a whole lot going on here. A whole lot going on here. Uh, we are, we're um, 15 minutes away from talking to Dr. Wendy Patrick. I have some questions I want to ask her. I want to get into the story, uh, Glenn talked about it briefly this morning, the girl who was convicted of involuntary manslaughter over the text messages. And uh, it's a very interesting case to me. I also want to talk about the Cosby case. And uh, maybe, maybe we'll have, if we have time with Dr. Wendy, we'll get into whether or not she sees anything in the discussions at hand here about uh, the, the Bob Mueller investigation, the special counsel, and what the next steps would be. Because we've already seen a split inside the party. You know, you have Marco Rubio, who's telling uh, every news camera he can find that he wants the, the uh, Bob Mueller investigation to go on and be very thorough. You have Ben Carson, who's splitting with the president on this topic and saying, you know, we have to have this investigation. So apparently those are two high-ranking officials who don't think that this is a witch hunt, as the president has said. When we get back, we need some stupid news, uh, some tragic news, some downright crazy news, and I'm just the man to deliver it, and we'll get there next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh, boy. Taking a break from some of the uh, serious news to look at some of the stupid news that's out there. You know, it's not Florida, but that doesn't mean it's not stupid. Uh, a doll dubbed the Bride of Chucky is spooking the residents of a town in southeastern Peru. The blonde doll, the Bride of Chucky doll, has been filmed talking and moving, apparently, after its batteries were removed. Some of the locals are spreading around rumors that, in fact, it is possessed. A family in Louisiana, I'm sorry, a family in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, had to spend $30,000 refurbishing their home after a skunk got inside. And the family said it's worse than if the home had been on fire. Why? Why? Because guess what? Your insurance company doesn't cover skunks. And why don't they cover the skunk damage, the skunk spraying inside the house? Mostly because the family had a doggy door that allowed the skunk to come in. So those of you who have doggy doors, uh, it couldn't be just another dog or a neighbor's cat coming in that could be a problem. These people, uh, big problem, big problem. Maybe you should get one of those doggy doors with the collar that your dog then has like a chip that unlocks it. I'm just saying, it's one of those things. And uh, I think the, the uh, well, I'm not going to get to the odd story of the day just yet. Um, we'll, we'll finish up with that. But um, the latest vodka, the latest flavored vodka, carrot vodka. I know we've had vodka made from potatoes, but now apparently there are people that are turning carrots into vodka. I don't think you get the same credit in terms of your diet for uh, eating or drinking carrot vodka as opposed to eating carrots. No. But these are made from, uh, from carrots grown in uh, Queensland, Australia. So expect to see those here soon. It's like, it's like the chocolate we talked about over, um, over the weekend. We talked about the chocolate. It's Coco Loco. It's here in America already, and the company has powdered chocolate that they're encouraging people not to make chocolate milk, but to snort it because it gets the chocolate in your system so much faster. And this one I'd love to see. This is a, uh, a dog in Seattle named Eclipse, a dog that has learned which, which stop is the stop on the bus line for the the dog park. I'm not kidding. There's I will tweet out a link to this story. The dog catches the bus to a dog park three, four stops away from her home and does so without the aid of her human. They they attached a transit card to the dog's harness just in case she gets on the bus, but she's been doing it of late. Uh, she hurries on to the bus because apparently her owner is sometimes dawdling, smoking a cigarette. So Eclipse sees the bus, hops on, and knows to get off in four stops. Been doing it for the last two years. And yes, they have video record of Eclipse, the bus-riding dog of Seattle. At least the dog's not, 
a scofflaw. At least the dog is paying the transit toll. And then my favorite story of the morning comes out of Mexico, courtesy of the folks at The Sun over overseas. But it's about a, a pig farmer who has died, sadly. The pig farmer was apparently drunk when he started a fight with his pig and lost the fight. In the town of San Lucas, Mexico, San Lucas Ojitalan, in the south, southwestern Mexico, the farmer, Miguel Ayala Pablo, died from an infection caused by the wounds he suffered in the brawl. He came home drunk, reportedly, after a party, and somehow got in a fight with the pig he kept in his home. The animal managed to bite the man's testicles and sever three fingers on his right hand. He was rushed to the hospital without his tender vegetation and three fingers and ended up dying from an infection. Don't get in a fight with a pig, especially if you're drunk. You need all your faculties. All right, that's the strange news. At least the strange news for the moment. When we get back, we'll update you on everything else. Plus, Dr. Wendy joins us. It's Monday. Let's talk some of the weird stuff in the legal world next on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.